This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Greetings and thanks so much for tuning into the show. This conversation features Sabaton vocalist Joachim Broden. The group have a new album, which will be released via Nuclear Blast on March 4, 2022, titled The War, To End All Wars. So, of course, we talk all about that throughout the conversation. But uh, those that have tuned into the podcast in the past will know I don't stop there. We cover a heap of conversations, some, some I guess you'd call them controversial topics for those that are a bit left of centre. Again, those people who have tuned into the podcast will know what I'm talking about there. But uh, no topic is off limits. I am a free speech platform. So that said... Before we get to the conversation, if you've tuned in via the podcast app, you'll hear a tune first. I've picked one from the album. This one's titled Christmas Truce. If you've tuned in via YouTube, we're going to cut to the conversation. Either way, let's go. On Christmas Eve, soldiers from all sides laid down their arms and embraced their enemies like friends. For a moment, there was no war. Holy night, our guns laid to rest on the snow. 
Kim, how are you, mate? Very good. And you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How's uh, how's the calls been going in support of this particular album? I take it they've been going well. Uh, yeah, so far so good. Uh, it hasn't been out yet, and we'll um, we'll always curious to see how how fans react. You know, uh, mm. I wish I could have seen faces, but I mean, uh, following on social media when when it's released and stuff like that. Yeah, it's been a lot like that, hasn't it? I've had so many conversations, as you'd anticipate, over the past two years. Killer heavy metal acts such as yourself. The true ball pit is the live arena and you just haven't been able to do it. Yeah, it's fucked up. We're used to doing over 100 shows a year, you know, and uh, all of a sudden um, it's a big part of your life being taken away from you. Uh, so uh, it's a bit weird, but uh, at least keeping ourselves busy with making an album, both, you know, the songwriting process and uh, also recording and everything. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's also one thing we really love to do. So at least we got to do something we like to do, even though we'd like to tour as well. But yeah, we weren't, yeah. We, we weren't totally, our hands weren't totally tied, if you know what I mean. Look, it did give you the opportunity. I mean, you, you, you're prodigious in your output to begin with, but at least it gave you an opportunity, I suppose, to focus a bit more on the idea of creating an album without the deadline of the huge tour coming up. And I know you had the Priest tour that was cancelled a little bit of the way through, all that sort of stuff. I know you've had a bit going on. Some, some of the usual, well, not usual, a band of your stature has had to deal with some of these challenges, but it has led to the end, to the war to end all wars, which will be released on March 4. Now, I think fans, they know what they're in for, okay, which is I've, I've listened to both editions of the album, by the way, the history edition and the um, the musical version, let's just call it that. Look, but but I mean, I mean the thing that the point that I want to make is it's yet another high quality album, uh, and indeed it's the band's tenth in seventeen years. So that's where I talk about that prodigious output that you're known for. But and and this time around, you look. Of course, you're focused on these war themes and themes to do with battle. And topics that you've selected include Franz Ferdinand, the Harlem Hellfighters, and one one of my favourites, the Love Maritime Warfare, or the you know. Diving into it when I say love it, dreadnought class destroyer <laughs> battleship. There you go. So, so how did you select the subject matter this time around? Uh, well, we had a few coming with us since the Great War. I mean, both Hellfighters and Christmas Truths were stories we wanted to tell on the Great mm. War, but we didn't have the right music for it. Simply, and I mean, we could have written a song and thrown it in there, but it wouldn't have been right. So we we've realized that if we don't have the right music and if it doesn't feel right, we better not do it at all. And uh, now we had the chance to get those going. And uh, on top of that, I think. For good and bad, a lot of the greatest hits, if you will, from World War One were already taken on the Great yeah. War. I mean, we covered the Red Baron, Lawrence of Arabia, and these guys, you know. Uh, so we had an opportunity to dig a little bit deeper. So I think there's going to be quite 
quite a few more surprises for fans. I mean, maybe not like, oh, this sounds like a hip hop album, but rather I hadn't heard about this story before, you know. A bloody hip hop album. Can you imagine that? The the Sabaton hip hop edition. <laughs> imagine. Uh, what was it? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. Remember that album that's, um, I know it wasn't quite new metal or what have you, but Destruction of all bands had a band that was quite edgy back in the 90s. Yeah, there's been there's been some. Celtic Frost had a very little known album from 2001 or 2002 where Tom G. Warrior does a bit of rapping on it. You can find copies of it on the internet if you know where to go. It's It wasn't really, I think it was only to test the waters of the record labels to see what they thought. Of course, the, the response was, God, no, hell no. But, um, yeah, that would be an interesting segue for you, wouldn't it? But, I mean, it does lead to another question because, because and I, again, third time I'm going to mention it, the prodigious output of the group, you have a huge vault of riffs. You must, okay, because the song, or the, my question for you around that would be, does the songwriting process, is it akin to selecting favoured riffs? And then for you, do you trial vocal patterns over the top to see what works? And can you tell me about the songwriting process? Mm, it could be different for every song, actually. Mm. But in general, it would be me sitting here, noodling around maybe something like... Nice. And it could be start with a piano. It could be me sitting with a guitar uh, mm. or whatever. But let's say the most common thing would be we have a conflict or a, a battle in mind, but no mm. lyrics at that point. As the music is written, the vocal melodies and uh, everything around it is written with it. Sometimes you get, you know, a some ideas for lyrics, but it's usually mumbo jumbo words, you know, being used or just a piano playing the melody. So we know how many syllables to use and what notes to hit basically. And then mm. we write the lyrics after. That's the most common, but I mean, everything in between is, <laughs> has happened. But the most common is um, me alone in a studio or me sitting with a guitar player and writing music. And uh, we know, in general, what, what it's going to be about, uh, sometimes very specifically what it's about. And you write everything from, uh, from drums to guitars to riffs and vocal melodies mm. and everything. However, I mean, the drums, Hannes is a better drummer than we are. So we, we give him guides, you know, we maybe tell him like program drums as in do, 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 do. We, we, we want that sort of. And then yeah. he'll figure it out when we are actually recording the album. He'll do his drummer's drummer thing, yeah. Look, and I apologise yep. for the question because I know it's a generic question and you probably get asked every second or maybe every interview about it all. But No, that's fine, man. Yeah, look, and, and the other thing too is that I note that it is Tommy Johansson's, it's his second album with the group. So mm -hmm. has he settled into the band on that note as a songwriter? Actually, for very weird reasons, he's not part of the songwriting in this on this album. He was on the previous one, but it was basically mm. a matter of timing. Whenever I, whenever, wherever I came over to Sweden, I live in Norway, which is, yeah, next door, basically. I'm four oh, hours right. away from okay. our hometown and, uh, or five hours, I guess, especially this, this time of year with this much snow. <laughs> but yeah. um, when I was driving over, it was always like he was busy doing other things. I think he was doing a little bit of his own rehearsals with the Majestica project. 
his own band. And sometimes he was basically just having dinner with his girlfriend or whatever it was, you know. <laughs> so I went over to Sweden a couple of times. And every time I sort of run over there, I drop a mail to everyone because I'm get tired of sitting alone and writing. Mm. Uh, so I let everybody know, like, hey, I'm going to Sweden these dates and these dates. Anyone want to join? And Chris is closer, you know, he lives only an hour away from our, where our warehouse is based. Mm. So he always like, I'm in. And uh, yeah, we were both kind of tired of the no sh- no playing live show situation. So we mm. might as well sit down, drink a few beers and write some music. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. What, what, what drew you to Norway? Is it marriage, that sort of thing, relationship? Yeah, my wife is Norwegian and make no sense to really bring her to Sweden so I could, so she could be alone while I'm, you know, <laughs> out touring. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's really undramatic, you know, Sweden and Norway language is really similar, not the same, mm. but very similar, um, culture, very similar, similar. And I mean, Hannes, Hannes still lives in Sweden, but, but he's much farther away from, you know, HQ than I am anyway. Hmm. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Is there, I've asked a few Swedes this, is there still that, is there, is there a rivalry in the same way that Australians have with New Zealanders? By the way, most Australians couldn't give a shit, but most, a lot of Kiwis really don't like Australians, which is fucked. It's really weird because we (laughs) don't even think about it, but does that same sort of thing happen between Swedes and Norwegians? Swedes and Norwegians are in general, uh, well, the competition is more on a humorous side. We have jokes about Norwegians being stupid. You know, how do a Norwegian <laughs> shuffle a deck of cards? <laughs> they, have, they have the same joke, but about Swedes. So in this case, it's pretty much a, a friendly situation. But with Finland, it can sometimes be a little bit like Australia and New Zealand. Like Swedes really mm. don't care or we make jokes about it. And mm. some Finnish people or most Finnish people are pretty cool with it and have Swedish jokes as well. But quite a few don't really like Swedish people. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get it then. Yeah, that's what we put up with from the Kiwis. God knows why, because so bloody many of them live in Australia here. These, so they're basically Australians and our culture is virtually <laughs> indistinguishable, but I digress. <laughs> hey, look, yeah. the, pr- the production on the album, I've always loved your production, I've got to say. Even with the AirPods in, you can have high-quality headphones, you can put it through an Apple speaker, or you can have a relative-quality headphones like the ones that I've got in. It always sounds fantastic. So who did you choose to produce the album this time around? First of all, thank you for saying that. This is probably the best production I think we ever had on an album. Uh, Jonas Schellgren, uh, people who are into the metal scene will probably know him uh, Mm. for his productions, but also from, yeah, he's been in everything from Scar Symmetry and, you know. Yeah been doing a lot of musician himself, you know, in a lot of bands. And um, we were together for the first time for the Great War and seeing as we didn't plan to do a second part two as we came out now about the whole pandemic thing and us having a few tracks we wanted to do sort of uh, resulted in us working with another World War One album or sort of a brother or sister or a follow-up. Hmm. And that 
sort of led us to, well, first of all, we're really happy with working with him. Now, we've known him for many, many years. He's done mastering and some extra stuff for us for many years and live uh, mixes as well. But especially now we felt like we wanted the, yeah, we wanted a, not to sound the same, uh, obviously, because they don't, but we wanted them to sort of sonically belong together, mm-hmm. you know? And that I think he he outdid himself on the on the production on this one. Um, amazing guitar sounds and you know as you said the mix it's you can play it through the iPhone speakers and you can yeah. still hear everything. It's not gonna sound fantastic uh, because it's a phone speaker, but uh, comparatively how dense and how much going on in the mix, yeah. you can still pick out the, that amount of detail. Uh, that's quite a feat, I'd say, from our sound engineer's point of view. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah, and look, I noted in the past you've worked with Tommy Tagdren. Now, I haven't. I might not have done. Uh, I haven't dived deep enough to understand if you've worked with Peter, though. Have you worked with Pete in the past? Yeah, we started out with Tommy uh, in the early years, and then on Art of War we did the drums and the recording. Uh, pretty much all the recording with Tommy and Peter mixed it. Uh-huh. And then we did Peter take Gideon, well, Tommy's brother, yeah. <laughs> for the next album. He did the drums <laughs> because he was going on tour. So we recorded it ourselves. And then Fredman, uh, uh, Fredrik Nordstrom mixed oh, it. Nice. Fantastic. Yeah. One of the best. For- yeah, one of the best as well. And then we mm-hmm. did Carolus Rex, Heroes and Last Stand with Peter, you know, from mm-hmm. beginning to end. And uh, the last two with Jonas. Uh, I think uh, we still, we're still a bit old school in that way that we don't go to one place and record drums and then everybody sits at home and bounces files back and forth. And then uh, somebody is shipped off to mix with somebody. Uh, I genuinely do believe that the recording process becomes it becomes a better album. Not necessarily if everybody's there all the time, but where we record in one, everything is recorded even by the guy who's supposed to be mixing it. Mm-hmm. So when we go to to the studio, usually it starts with the, obviously Hannes the drummer. But I, we have pre-production, so we play sort of Jonas. Well, he knows how Sabaton sounds already. But this song, he knows about the song. We can hear the either random uh, replacement or temporary vocals or sort of uh, a piano melody. All the synthesizers, guitars, and everything is there. And we can listen to the song. We can record Hannes, and then we just remove the drums from the pre-production. He can play to the real pre-production. Um, we can change the tempo, of course, if we want, um, depending on what we want to do. That's no, not a big deal. But then Jonas can start to set uh, sounds already then and there, how he wants them, even with the drums. So when we are then adding the bass and when we're adding guitars and guitar solos, a bit of the mixing has already happened. You sort of start to see what's working and what's not. So you're sort of every day doing a little bit of mixing, trying different mm. things. And when the guitarist sits down, it sounds great because it's already not totally mixed, but it's already sounding really good. So you get a nicer for the musician, easier for that musician to sort of feel like, yeah, this sounds good. And to deliver something 
good. And especially for me singing, but also for Hannes, as it's a really help to have the whole song with the pre-production. Of course, nobody else in the band, as opposed mm. to just a, one guitarist and a singer sort of pretend playing through the song so you can get through it. Mm. What about a producer famous in the United States, like a Michael Beanhorn or someone like that who's done Corn, Ozzy, Hole, Courtney Love, he's done all of that sort of stuff. Has there ever been an opportunity for you to go down that route? Yeah, we've discussed it, but at the same time, we have we have some of the best metal producers next door here. Yeah. You know? No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, we could go to Peter Tekgren, amazing producer, Jonas Kjellgren, amazing producer, Fredrik Nordström, amazing producer. I mean, we have um, I guess Jens Bogren was around here as well, you know. Fantastic, yeah. Unreal. Several yeah. people. So it's like, yeah, we could go to the US and do it, but then yeah, we'd be away for a long time, especially me, you know? Yeah, the music, for the, whole... the music might suffer as well from the perspective that someone might not understand the blend of metal that you're capable of creating. I, I only ask the question because I know the American market is very fickle and those sort of producers tend to open up different different doorways, if you like, that you can step through that might... I know you're very popular in the United States, if you like, but you're certainly... You're certainly one of the most popular metal bands in the world at the moment, it needs to be said, both in sales figures and in the representation of T-shirts at festivals. I saw you at, <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you at Download. I saw you at Download and you were fantastic. You, you played on that um, on the Red stage, I remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't... 2018, was it? 2018. And I wrote this. Anybody can check this out. I wrote a review on for uh, Metal Obsession. It wasn't until you guys started playing that the festival came alive, in my opinion. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, well, we're a very physical live band. And we, I mean, we, we do take the stories we tell seriously, but we don't take ourselves very serious. No, mm -hmm. nobody wants to go to a heavy metal concert and contemplate over, you know, half a million dead in this or that conflict. It's a, it's about having fun and having fun together. So we try to, you know, give it all yeah. we got because in the end, why would we want to stand there and try to look evil or cool or sad or whatever? Playing heavy metal is fun for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys definitely bought that. Yeah, there's enough bands that stand there and stare at the crowd and don't do anything from black metal bands to Nirvana or what have you that stare at their feet and don't bring the entertainment factor. You guys do it. You, you move around like a football team, like a rugby side on, on, on stage. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. I mean, I, I really love it that physical show because that's that's we do that because that's what we grew up loving so why not you know yeah why not yeah hey who is the what's the name of the lady that provides the narrative to the history edition uh Bethan dixon bait if i'm not mistaken let me let me google that for a second <laughs> cool she does a, a wonderful Be job yeah. yeah, does a wonderful job, by the way. How, how do you select somebody to provide the, the vocal accompaniment? Uh, in this case, we wanted a, a powerful voice uh, without being, you know, overdoing mm. it, but rather powerful in, in its subtlety, I guess, or somehow, yeah. you know. Yep. to the point uh, and effective. And we started with the first time we had narration on an album was with the art of war, obviously being tied to the old military text. We had one chapter 
uh, every chapter in the book, if you will, was co- had a corresponding song or you know track. And uh, at that point, we used a sort of royalty-free audiobook almost from Project Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. But we really liked the the contrast that a uh, a female voice uh, gives to what we we do because it's uh, I sing pretty darkly and to have a a male voice not I'm not saying anything bad about you know Christopher Lee here but that would be totally the opposite of what we were looking for yeah I, mean, I totally admire him as more a, gothy you know, too though I don't think what they did yeah. it's more gothic and dark yeah yeah what about um you've covered so much subject subject matter regarding war is there any subject matter though you're reluctant to pursue yeah, uh, current events uh, in that sense, because we've noticed it's easy, very, very easy to make the mistake of, you know, well, being biased, because we've we've seen this several times, world events, invasions, uh, terror attacks, whatever it is. Sometimes we've been on tour when this happened. And then we, let's say we've been in the United States, South America, Israel and Russia and maybe Turkey, all the Mm. while these Mm. events are unfolding and happening. And how it's portrayed in the media, I'm not screaming fake fake news here at all, but uh, the way the narrative is told can differ vastly depending Mm. on the country or the media outlet and everything. Um, So we're reluctant to touch anything until historians have had a look at it and historians without any you know skin in the game if you know what i mean i understand what you're saying yeah i've noticed that too yeah it's uh it's a tough one from the perspective that uh war is ongoing from in every continent basically except for australia funnily enough where i am um, we haven't had any <laughs> civil wars or any actual well my grandfather fought in world war ii but that was in new guinea uh, Australians have fought in many theatres of battle, as you know, and, and I've got yeah. to say thank you very much for writing Cliffs of Gallipoli too, by the way, and honouring oh. the Australian and New Zealand contribution there. Um, but I, I want to, I'll come back to that, but I would, and, and for all of the right reasons, uh, I know people misconstrue this, so I'll paraphrase what I'm about to say with that first. I would like to hear you write more about Nazi Germany and far from glorifying the Third Reich, because I know you're not going to do that, but from the perspective that there are there are many worthy stories that are historical fact, if you like, yeah. and I believe you have the maturity and the intelligence to have a take on these things that will be worthy. So is that something that you guys have discussed? Yeah, I mean, the only reason we haven't been doing it lately is we've had in our past, even since Prima Victoria, we've covered so much World War II. I mean, mm. Code of Arms are only stories from World War II. Yeah, Heroes are only stories from World War II. And so it's never been sort of a the Second War themed or concept album. But I mean, there are sto- a lot of stories from World War II on, um, on The Last Stand as well. So it's like we never really thought of making a whole concept album about World War II because there already are so many songs. I mean, mm. I think there's, it's the most represented war in our album catalog, uh, I guess. Half of uh, auto war is, you know, I guess World War II as well, or a lot of it at least. Yeah. So, um, 
But Nazi Germany in itself to cover that, the only way we did that was the old song Rise of Evil from 2006, where we talk about uh, how Hitler came to power, sort of, Uh, which was fun. I I really enjoyed the song. Um, A lot of German promoters didn't like us playing that live. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they almost Uh, blackbanned you, didn't they, for a period of time? They missed the point completely, didn't they? Yeah. But we had the word, the Reich will rise. That's enough. Like, ooh, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't mention the war is still, you know, it, you know, when they say, <laughs> don't mention the war in, you know, faulty towers, and it's a joke. Yeah. It's only a joke to a certain extent. Some of that still remains in Germany. Don't go there. I mean, if we talk about Swedish pagans or the Swedish empire, all the battles, it's all good, you know. But mm-hmm. if you go Nazi Germany, gas, anything, all of a sudden, the whole tension in the interview, if we're talking about an interview or anything, everything changes. Well, it can't be any worse than the mainstream media calling a, a Muslim terrorist an austere scholar, the head of ISIS when he was when he was um, taken out by, I don't know who he was taken out by, but I mean, the spin that the modern media put on things. And, and as I say, look, the Third Reich, Nazi Germany, it's historical fact. There is a neutral narrative there that you can take, and I believe you're the band to do it. But, look, I also understand that it presents a whole raft of problems that you may not want to deal with, and, you know, you've got other things that you can sing Uh, about too. No big problem for us, really. We've already crossed that bridge, you know. To sing about Nazi Germany wouldn't be causing uh, much more damage than we've already caused by singing The Reich Will Rise or, you know, (laughs) singing about Ghost Division and Rommel and, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's more about what it feels like we've we've been there and done that, a lot of that already. I'm 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 really 100 sure we will cover events from World War II in the future as well. Mm. But I mean, there's so much more going on that we'd like to look into. I mean, at any point in time, and this changes all the time. But we always have three to five ideas that we want to make the next album about. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah, hey, I better do a time check. How much more time have I got with you? Four minutes. Four minutes, but never enough time, mate. Never enough time. Right. So I, I started the conversation about Nazi Germany by, by giving you great feedback about your song Cliffs of Gallipoli. So have you thought about tackling even more subject matter involving the Anzacs and the Australian military? Yeah, we have actually. Uh, the last time we touched anything Australian was the Ballad of Bull on Heroes. So it wasn't quite quite okay. some time ago. Uh, but it's all about what we feel passionate about for the moment. That's a tricky part. I mean, some things are hugely important and feel right to us. And like we discover that story, but two years later, when we're actually making that album, do we have the right music? Do we still feel passionate about that story? Or did something else come along that's like, oh, feels better to us? There's a lot of an emotional factor there that um, a lot of people, I think, don't realize is there a lot of people we've made the mistake in the past of not promising but saying yeah we're really interested in that and we'd like to look into it and then then later uh, people sort of asking us where's that song about this and this that you promised and first of all like we didn't promise but second of all hey our last album for example was about world war one what you are talking about is a totally different era so um in um it's also a bit of a puzzle uh, because at any point I'd say there's probably 50 or 60 song ideas bouncing around. Mm. Uh, However, let's say Napoleon, I would love to do uh, something about Napoleon. 
I nice. know there there is a material out there for a whole album, several albums. But at this moment, I I don't know enough to make a whole album about Napoleon. Maybe I'm not inspired to do a whole album about Napoleon, but Napoleon is more than a single song in my mind. So maybe yeah, that's huge. a story a, a story to be told between three to five songs. Um, when do we have time? When can we fit such a thing in, you know? So it it all depends, actually. It's a tricky balance. It is, yeah. Last question for you, just a quickie, mate. Have you got plans to come back here to Australia? Yes, we're looking into it at the moment, actually. Uh, our, on the great tour, on the previous one that was sort of cut short, we never made it to Australia, Japan, South America and everything. And these are you know, strange times <laughs> with the restrictions yeah. and, uh, you know, lockdowns and everything. So at this point, we cannot make any promises at all because a lot is out of our hands. And we're not the only band trying to book venues. You know, everybody yeah. is from all genres. But at least our intention uh, is to sort of prioritize the territories, if you will, that we didn't get to tour on okay. the Great War. Yeah. So... When, when given the when given the option uh, and choice, if we're ever given the option and choice, uh, <laughs> we will try and spring try and steer things towards going where we we couldn't go. You know, fantastic. Well, fingers crossed on that front. I'll leave it with you, mate. Uh, congratulations uh, is a final point on an epic career. Long may you can contribute or uh, continue to create vast heavy metal as you've done thank you so much for the work it is meaningful to people i keep on saying that to you big to you big metal bands what you're doing is meaningful to people through the pandemic people have been left with a lot of time on their hands it is bands like sabaton that have kept people going through difficult times amongst other things but the music is very important there you go wow thank you very much man thanks for thanks, having brother me. no worries have a great one catch ya. you too bye, bye. Well, there you have it, and there he is, Joachim Broden from the Swedish outfit Sabaton. What a gentleman. I enjoyed that conversation rather a lot. They're all good, but there are some you enjoy just a little bit more than others, and yes, we could have spoken, as you might have been able to tell there, for a lot longer, but I only had half an hour. Can't push it, because somebody's waiting in the wings to go and have a conversation with Joachim after me. Now, some news. I've got a book coming out. It'll be released on the 20th of February, 2022. It's all about the podcast and the conversations that I've had for the podcast, much like the one there with Joachim Parr, the bassist in the group. He features amongst the pages. If you enjoy listening to the conversations that I conduct for the podcast, you will certainly enjoy the book. Go across to scarsandguitars.com. You can pre-order a copy and uh, hit me up if you want to talk about after the fact, meaning that uh, if you've read the book and you want to talk about when you read the book and you want to have a conversation with me, I'm easy to find. I encourage it, as a matter of fact. Hit me up via socials or via the contact form there at scarsandguitars.com. I'll answer any questions to the best of my ability. That said, my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Until next time, it is a very goodbye for now. <laughs>